Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. And as you know, my job is to be your guide and your host and help you see, feel, and think in new ways so you can get off the brink. We never want you to be stuck or stalled. Instead, we want you to soar. But sometimes you need to have new ideas, a new way of seeing things. And in these fast-changing times, that's been particularly important. So today, I have with me a wonderful gentleman, Steve Markman. And Steve is a specialist in helping people understand the place of speaking and speeches in your business and in your own personal career, perhaps. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then I'll have him tell you about his journey and what he does today. Steve Markman has more than 30 years of experience in the conference and speaker field, but he's crafted it in a particular way, and that's what I'm excited about sharing with you. Since founding Markman Speaker Management in 1994, Steve has secured speaking engagements for over 200 firms globally. So think of it backwards. It's your firm and using speaking as part of a communications narrative. That's what's so important. He's worked with clients in all industries and professions, including executives, principals, consultants, coaches, lawyers, you name it. Steve's helped them. And he's worked with IBM, Global Services, PayPal, Subaru, Bank of America. They all understood something important about helping their talent um, talk to others about what it was they were doing. And that narrative became very powerful. So, Steve, thank you for joining me today. Great to be here, Andy. Thanks for having me. Now, as you and I were talking, there's a lot to Steve Markman's journey. Share it with our listeners so they know who are you. And then we'll talk about all the things you do. Sure. Happy to. Thank you. So I have been, as Andy said, in the conference and speaker business, if you will, for close to 35 years now. Um, I started out uh, in terms of my career uh, working uh, for Forbes magazine, which uh, come full circle. I had an article uh, last week where they uh, interviewed me for an article in Forbes. And uh, uh, it was kind of fun because that's where I started my career. So it's always been sort of research related. And then I got into human resources um, research, got involved with with uh, working for a consulting firm. And that led me to the conference board in New York, which is a very large um, not-for-profit organization that uh, services um, the Fortune 1000, basically, through uh, research reports and conferences. And I was on the research side of the business and writing articles and so forth and doing a lot of research in HR uh, and strategy. And then, um, unfortunately, one, one of my colleagues took ill. He wound up being fine, but for a few months, he was going to be um, uh, out of the, the office. <clears throat> so my boss came into my office and said, uh, you're now in charge of the conferences because that's what this guy was was doing for the HR conferences. So that started uh, a career in, in conferences. And I found that I really enjoyed doing them. I, I really enjoyed creating content from a blank piece of paper and the whole idea of educating uh, people in a way that um, similar to a teacher, but educating a wide swath of companies and their executives so that they could go back and hear about um, or talk about the best practices that they heard about at the event. And then they can apply it to their companies and their companies can grow and so forth. And, and I felt like I was doing something good in that, in that endeavor. Um, so that was a, 
long time ago. I, I enjoyed working for them. I came up to Boston to work for uh, the company that uh, is uh, the producer of what was called Comdex. Uh, Comdex at its peak had 200,000 attendees in one show. It was for the uh, computer trade show industry. Many of your listeners, I'm sure, have been there. It was a, a you know four-headed monster. It was uh, uh, 25 hotels being taken over and several convention halls. And I was in charge of their um, conferences specifically. Um, had a, a couple of... Uh, face-to-face with the uh, uh, Las Vegas uh, (laughs) uh, fire department because uh, too many people were there. It was was, uh, in Las Vegas every year. Um, And it was, but it was uh, quite a, quite a uh, great experience. And then I went to a couple other companies and in 1994, I started my own business now 28 years ago. um, And uh, I was doing a conference for Clemson university. I had set up their conference division and, the sponsor of one of uh, the events of Business Transformation Conference was IBM. And IBM uh, came to me, the liaison I was working with, and said, you know, we need more speaking engagements. So we don't care about, we don't want to get paid. It's not a paid gig. We just want the exposure because they were called IBM Consulting at the time, uh, maybe $200, $300 million in revenue. Um, and they wanted more exposure because people thought of them as a hardware company. And that's what speaking does. Speaking gives an opportunity to, to uh, executives and or owners of small companies, whatever the size may be, all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. It gives them an opportunity to, without doing a sales pitch, to uh, impart a message that shows that they are subject matter experts. And so by uh, definition, after someone does a a non-sales but good objective speech, someone's going to look up and say, oh, I didn't know that IBM Consulting actually doesn't just sell hardware and software, that they do business transformation and strategy consulting and all that stuff, which at the time nobody knew they did that. So yeah, now it's a $30 billion division of IBM called IBM Global Services. Um, not necessarily going to take credit for all that that rise in <laughs> revenue, but uh, it a was uh, just a little bit. Uh, and it was um, the start of a shift from me creating the conferences and the content and recruiting speakers to representing companies on the speaker side so that I can find them speaking engagements. I had had so many years of uh, reviewing and um uh, reading uh, presentation proposals that the transition to now write them for my clients was fairly easy. Um, and it turns out uh, a third of my clients over the years um, have uh, been PR firms uh, because PR firms um, also do what I do, which is to find these speaking engagements, but many of them don't have the resources or they don't have the people with the experience in this sort of niche business. Uh, and so they uh, partner with me to help their clients get speaking engagements. So uh, that was a long answer to a short question of wh- how I got to be where, where I am. But, but it's, been, uh, it's been a nice ride. It has. But this last the, the pandemic period for me, I've been speaking for, I've been in business 20 years 
And I, before that, I spent uh, 20 years in, in, in executive roles in companies. And speaking was always a piece of what I did as an anthropologist. It gave me a way of telling people how a little anthropology could help their business grow. But during the pandemic, it was all virtual. And I actually did a whole lot virtually, which was very exciting. But uh, during this period, how did companies change how they use speaking or did they change? And how can you give our, our listeners and our audience a little context as we're coming out of this pandemic? Because I think the times are important and the context matters. What do you see? Right. Absolutely. And I do have um, a close lens on the industry, follow it fairly closely. And um, before I specifically answer that question, um, I, I want to also mention that what we're going to be talking about today are the unpaid speaking engagements that companies use to uh, create visibility, build awareness, uh, sometimes generate specific leads, um, mostly also for all uh, companies. It's a, a strategy for thought leadership. Um, but then there's a whole separate uh, almost sector within the speaking industry, as you know, um, that is paid speaking. And in the context of that, uh, those paid speakers are typically keynote speakers. And I have a separate division that handles those kinds of uh, folks. But when the pandemic hit, as I segue into your uh, answering your question, when the pandemic hit, I mean, life as we knew it stopped on a dime, right? So for three months, kind of nobody did anything, right? Of all, it didn't matter what industry you were in, but it particularly hit the conference and meeting industry hard. Uh, and by, you know, domino effect, uh, the hotel and hospitality industry as well, because the speakers, the conferences went away. And so for, for a few months, uh, nothing happened. And then conferences realized, especially association conferences, they rely on meetings as a very large part of their revenue yep. for, from attendees and sponsors. And so what they learned very quickly was the Zoom world, right? And so everything that was planned for the um, fall and the rest of the year that was in person had a shift. Literally, the word pivot became, I think, the most used word on Google. <laughs> um, and, and so they pivoted to... Um, Virtual, another new word. Um, yeah, before we just called it online. Now it's a virtual event, and everything went virtual. That was from say March. Uh, well, March, like I said, nothing happened. But basically, from April till the summer of 2020, everything was virtual only. Then things started to get a little bit better, and the hybrid came into existence, where people started to organizations started to have more events and conferences in person as the numbers start of COVID started to go down a bit, uh, but there was still a ton of people, no vaccination yet. People were still afraid to go anywhere. And so they might, they might have a small crowd in the, uh, in person, uh, but most of it was um, online as a virtual. So that was what they called a, a hybrid. Then uh, 2021 came and everybody started getting more optimistic. There were more things uh, that were going to be in person. <laughs> and then Omicron came, right? So it's like a roller coaster up and down. Um, so where we are now is that um, with Omicron passing, but variants still out there and yes. ready to pounce on, we don't know what's going to happen. Things may happen great. They may not. And so um, organizations are realizing that um, they 
need to be prepared for anything. But most of the events for the rest of this year, starting the, um, maybe February or March, a couple of months ago, through um, the uh, end of the year and through the first quarter of next year are pretty much all either in person or hybrid. There are still some events that are only uh, virtual. They tend to be um, shorter. They're not like full-fledged conferences, like maybe a, a one-hour or 90-minute webinar. Uh, but I have to tell you, uh, Andy, what's interesting is um, the paid speakers, they had to cut their pay. Now they're back to almost full pay because it's back in person. But the unpaid speakers, which represents 90% of all speakers, and a lot of people don't realize that what ha what happens is these uh, associations and companies that put on conferences, if they paid all their speakers, they would quickly go out of business. So they pay for the keynote or they put aside a budget for some subject matter expert. And then everybody else, all the uh, solo presenters or the breakout sessions, the panelists, nobody gets paid to speak. They don't even get their travel yeah. paid. A lot of people don't realize that, but where it's what I call future income. Right. Because they're not getting a check to speak, but they're maybe going to get some business, more customers, more clients as a result of speaking, which I believe they they typically do. But what was interesting, what happened was when the pandemic hit and everything went mostly virtual or all virtual, I actually think there were more speaking engagements then than yes. there were pre-pandemic. And the reason is because having no ability to have an in-person conference, there was no other way for an association to reach out to their members and prospects and constituents. Yep. So the best way to do it was the only way, which was virtually. So all of a sudden, whereas before, maybe they did one or two webinars a year, now they're having monthly meetings and even on a national basis, because it was easy, right? You could be anywhere in the US or in the world and still be able to speak into your you know, black box, <laughs> 20 inches wide and whatever tall. And, and you didn't have to leave your office or your, your yeah. uh, living room or your home office. And so they needed more speakers for these events. Many of them were networking, but many of them were accompanied by a part of it that needed a speaker. And so I was able to provide a lot of these organizations um, with the speakers even more so than I than I was before because of yes. the the need, and so I think that the it won't go away. The virtual is here to stay. The, the hybrids will be here to stay. Um, the only in person I don't think is going to be uh, there anymore, and there will always be some piece of a large event that will be virtual because there's always going to be some small number of people who don't want to yeah. travel. Um, depending on what's going on in their area and in yeah. COVID. So it's it's going to be a different industry as it's evolving. Uh, but I think that it's it's coming out on this other end, at least for now, uh, um, stronger than before because there are more ways to reach people. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled 
and a little anthropology help them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. Well, I was on one virtual conference in Amsterdam. I didn't have to leave home to get there. And they had 25,000 people uh, attend. So, exactly. you know, it, and it was global. You can't get to people like that if you don't. It's interesting as I'm listening to you because I do about, um, see, I think I have about 35 uh, workshops or speaking engagements this year, virtually all virtual. And it allows me to do a lot more. You know, one week I was in Idaho, Iowa, Vancouver, and Delaware without going anywhere. So there's a lot to be said for this. It's sort of interesting. I want you to do, though, and tell our audience Absolutely. how to think about speaking. Um, because I do think there's something that businesses need to pay attention to about why the taking their subject matter experts, using them out in the market, they may already know it, but you're so good at that. How do you help companies use speaking as a way to build credibility, narratives, um, and market themselves for lead generation, business creation? You know, your thoughts. Sure. Well, I feel that it is a proven way for um, companies to gain visibility. And usually companies... Um, when they come to me, they've already uh, thought about it and they they realize that it's it's an important uh, aspect. When I meet somebody at a networking event or whatever, and they haven't really thought about it or they thought about it, but they thought, well, they don't really have a good spokesperson. I explain to them that um, you don't have to be the best speaker in the world to get to be a speaker at a conference because they first and foremost and having been a conference director i uh know what their sort of criteria is the first um criterion is to have content right content is king and it always will be so while they want somebody that isn't going to put anybody in the first row to sleep at the same time the most important um uh element is having content that is going to create uh, interest in people learning about a certain aspect of whether whatever their role is. It could be human resources, IT, strategy, marketing, whatever their role in a company is, or if they're a consultant for, with their own company, um, they want to impart that they have knowledge. And so what I tell them is, 
you know, focus more on the content. Don't worry about the speaking delivery part. That is important, but it's not, it's like a distant number two. And you could always talk to somebody that teaches people presentation skills, not something that I do, but there's so many people that do that. And, you know, talking about being able to have uh, virtual, you know, that's a whole nother set of uh, needs of, you know, of skills. And you have to know where to look in the camera and where to position yourself. And you're usually sitting before you were standing. So it's a, a whole <laughs> set of other things that people need, need to know. But the, the thing that, that I also impress on, on um, companies is to really think through who do you want to talk to? And that, that is something that is really crucial. It's, it's the what, what do you want to say, which is the content I just mentioned, but it's also the who. So, you know, if I have the vice president of um, HR for a medium-sized company, um, they have no interest in speaking for a chamber of commerce made up of small companies in a small town. But a chamber of commerce in Boston, where I'm based, for example, um, which is a, a huge chamber that covers the entire area, um, then it might be worthwhile for them or a national conference of uh, the Society for Human Resource Management, for example. Um, so who to talk to and how to target your audience so that it is not just the obvious, well, here's who we sell to, because you're not yeah. doing any selling. You're doing uh, um, talking to people about what, um, what you know about uh, in a way that's not a sales pitch. And if they could recommend you when they go back to the office or say, hey, oh, I heard somebody from such and such company. Um, so I heard Andy Simon speak and, you know, you, we ought to bring her in to, to talk to her, that kind of thing. Um, that, that's really important. So it could be the recommenders that a lot of companies don't uh, think about when they decide who do they want to target as people being in the audience. It's, it's interesting because um, there are all kinds of important ways to tell our narrative to the right audience. We need to be strategic about it. And, and then we need to figure out how to help them do it. When you're working with companies, and I'll stay in that zone, that's the core of your business. You know, you told me a little bit about the process you go through to help them identify the topic, the content, the people, and so forth. It's, a, it's not inconsequential that they understand what Steve Markman brings to the conversation. Can you share a little bit more about what you do when you get inside a company and how you help them begin to use this as a way of telling their story? Yeah, so one of the things that I um, help them with on the content side is they say, well, we can talk about anything. And and then I try to explain <laughs> to them, they that's like saying we can't talk about and we can't talk about anything, right? So part of what I educate, whether I do the work myself or whether I teach them how to do it, I have two different uh, ways to do that. Um, either way, they need to understand the process. And the process truly is a process. It is not somebody uh, calling, making a phone call to the conference producer and saying, you know, I'm available to speak uh, at your conference in the fall. Um and I have a 30 years of experience. It's not that easy. So there's a process 
of submitting proposals. And I help them understand what that process is. Uh, it could be uh, a formal call for speakers, as you know, from doing all, you know, all your years of speaking. Um, and that's really an application. You have to spend uh, a couple of hours sometimes uh, creating the answers to their questions and then you submit it. Uh, and then there's a more informal process where you develop a relationship with the person who is the head of conferences for the organization, whether it's a local, regional or national or even international event. And they say, send me your uh, your information. And the two most important things that I work with clients to develop and that they and I tell them up front, there's going to be some work on their side. They, even if I do all the work, they have to be committed to wanting to do this. There's a couple of commitments. One is the time to get out and speak uh, because it, you have to develop a speech and then they have to go if they're going to travel and it's not virtual. They need to, to develop that time. Mm -hmm. The other thing is they need to be able to create the core of uh, what is in effect marketing themselves or if I'm doing it for them, for me to represent them. Uh, and that is, what are they going to talk about in two paragraphs? One paragraph setting the stage, one paragraph describing what they're going to talk about, and then three or four bullets at the end that are takeaways. What is the audience going to learn yeah. after they leave that session? And that's really important. I spend sometimes weeks with the client getting them to develop something that isn't the same old, same old, because it's very competitive, even though, you know, there's the old adage, people are afraid, you know, fear of speaking is a top five fear. You'd be surprised how many people want to speak, tons. Yeah. So there might be 30 openings at a conference and they're going to get 300 proposals easily. Um, so you need to rise above the noise and stand out in some way. And that's what I help clients do through writing a, a really solid presentation description. And it could be five of them. There doesn't have to be one topic. It could be five topics. I've worked with some big law firms that have you know, multiple practices and they each have their own set of topics. And then the bio has to be well-written and focused on, again, sending it to a conference organizer, not someone who they're trying to get as a customer or client. So you need to focus on speaking experience if you have that in that yeah. bio. So it's, a, it's what I call a speaker bio differentiated from the regular bio. I think your insights are extremely important for our audience. And as I'm listening, I'm saying yes, because it's as if that speaker is a product to sell, right? And, and they need to understand that they are identifying themselves as a good representative of the story they want to share. And, and those takeaways are inconsequential because that's what the buyer wants to know. It's really going to inspire the audience um, to, to do something with. You know, Steve, we could talk a great deal. We could go into talking about that's individuals, enough. people like myself. But what I'd really like you to do is think through, you know, two or three things you want the audience to remember as we are wrapping up here. And then you can remind them where they can reach you because I think what you offer is extremely important today. Mm, two or three things you don't want them to forget. Sure. So uh, the first and foremost, um, I didn't actually mention it, but um, it's something that I always like to have people take away. And that is how hard it is to get 
a speaking engagement. And I mentioned all the competition because everybody wants to speak. But because it is difficult, um, I tell my clients, and I, I'd like to your audience to think about this too, that it, in a way, it's like a salesperson trying to sell something. And everybody says, well, you must be, if they're talking to a salesperson, you must be uh, good at uh, accepting rejection, right? <laughs> so what I tell my clients, diplomatically, of course, is don't let your ego get in the way because you could be a great speaker and you have a lot to, to say and be very informative, but so do a lot of other people. And so unless you've you know written up the uh, Mount Everest backwards on a donkey singing <laughs> in opera and you're that kind of uh, unique person, um, you, you, you need to, to take a step back and people need to understand that it's not easy, but at the same time, persistence, 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 because you, you may not get into an event the first year, but now you've developed a relationship with the organizer and they know who you are. And the second time, or maybe the second event in that year, you're in. So don't give up, persevere. It can happen if you have the right uh, tools and the right, right content. The second thing is to realize that it is uh, synergistic with other elements of marketing. So if you're using this for thought leadership, you do a presentation and you can write a, a, a white paper based on the presentation or the reverse can be true. You could have a white white paper and you can convert it into a presentation. Uh, so there's uh, a lot of things. It's, it's an element of marketing. Uh, you can post it on social media and now it's a social media element. Uh, there are a lot of uh, shelf life things that can happen once somebody speaks. And so keep that in mind that it's not a means uh, to an end and it doesn't end at the talk. You can keep it alive and keep it in, in your arsenal as something that can help you build visibility. You know, the multiplier effect is to repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. You're also repurposing yourself. It isn't just a job you're doing, but a way of beginning to exactly. tell that story. And people, at the end of the day, buy story. And they really want to know who is it that is representative of that company. And it doesn't matter whether it's Subaru or IBM or your law firm. So Steve Markman has really given us a whole lot of insights today. Steve, if people want to reach you, where can they reach you? Sure. So the best way is my website, which is um, markmanspeaker.com. Dot com. My company, again, is Markman Speaker Management, LLC. I'm based in the Boston area, uh, international outreach. So regardless of where you are, I've got clients in Europe and, uh, and Asia and uh, happy to talk to anybody about the world of speaking. Um, and on my website, you can find my uh, phone numbers as well as uh, my email address. I'm also um, on LinkedIn and um, would love to link in with anybody and connect with someone there. And the information will, of course, be on our blog post after this uh, podcast goes live. So thank you for joining me today. Let me wrap up with our guests who come to watch and listen. And Steve Markman has been a terrific opportunity for us to think about the emerging or re-emerging world of speaking as the pandemic subsides until it comes back again, we don't know. But for myself, I, I love listening to Steve because he reminds us that speaking for a company 
is an, an afterthought. It's not just for thought leaders. It's for the company to tell its story in so many different ways to the right audiences. So give some thought to how a Steve relationship could help you and your company expand now back into the world in different ways. And the times are changing so quickly. It's important for you to see, feel, and think about yourself and your speaking opportunities for your company in a very different fashion. Thanks for coming because we love to share with you big ideas and we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Don't forget you can reach us at info at andysimon.com and you can get our books on Amazon and they are there. My new book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business, just received an award. It's a Bronze Best Business Book Award for 2022 in Women in Business category. And I thank Axiom for the pleasure of recognizing that. So thank you all. It's been a pleasure serving you today. Thanks for entertaining us too, Steve. It's been fun. Bye-bye now.